Kaldari Kaldari State The Kaldari State is an authoritarian militaristic nation, founded on the pillars of duty, loyalty, efficiency, and hard work. While not as large a society as that of the Galenti or the Amar, the state is still universally respected and admired. Its economy is fundamentally sound and its military, despite its smaller size, is fully equal to that of any other empire, thanks to a well-kept fleet packed with cutting-edge technology. A nation built on corporate capitalism, the Kaldari state is run by a group of eight megacorporations who divide territory between themselves, controlling and overseeing nearly every aspect of society. Each corporation comprises of thousands of smaller companies, ranging from industrial companies to law firms. All real estate is owned by the companies, which then lease it to the citizens. Government and policing are also both handled by independent companies funded by each of the megacorporations. History Before the founding of the state, the Kaldari were not a singular entity. Like their Galenti neighbors, they were composed of different races on different continents across Kaldari Prime, although the bulk of the population was located on the Tikiona continent. Tikiona was united, between AD 17453 and AD 2988, under the Rada Empire, with existing ethnicities at the time organized into political entities in the form of houses. First Contact The term Kaldari was coined after first contact with the Galenti in AD 22517, as a planetary identifier used to distinguish the races of their home world from those of their newfound partners. By this point, each Kaldari race was organized into its own fully-fledged nation on Kaldari Prime, with minimal to no cross-ethnic mingling. The boundaries between these ethnicities were profound, not only in physical appearance, but also culturally, with the Kaldari's concept of a nation differing vastly from the Galendi's definition, the latter of which tended to be built around ideology, rather than race or culture. Even when the megacorporations secretly colonized regions of space on behalf of their master nations, the Kaldari continued to identify by their original ethnicity. This practice continued after the founding of the Federation, and it was not until the secession of the Kaldari in AD 23154 that the situation changed. When the chief executive panel usurped control of the home world from the indigenous nations, all who supported the secession were swept along in the following social upheaval. Corporate State As the all-encompassing corporate state came into being, the Kaldari psyche and society were shaped into new forms. The largest Kaldari ethnicities, the Didius and Sivire, were deeply affected by these changes and molded to the norm. Other ethnicities, including the Galenti, who had long been residents of the Kaldari homeworld, were brought into the fold, where all are now identified as one race. Influenced by the Sukhavesta Corporation, a people known as the Achura decided to join the Kaldari in their secession as a client state. Their pre-industrial Achura Empire, which had been discovered by Sukhavesta during the secret colonization many decades prior, was uprooted and replaced by minority Kaldari rule. This mostly affected major population centers, which were developed to become full cities according to the Kaldari standard. Rural areas were mostly ignored, 
dotted with thousands of Achura monasteries which to this day preserve the culture and heritage of the Achura Empire. Some, of course, were displaced for industrial operations in cases where they were located on valuable land, but for the most part, Achura who had not been assimilated remained reclusive and introverted, cut off from the state as a whole and for the most part untouched by its influence. It was only at the beginning of the Capsuleer era that the Achura acquired interstellar recognition, as many of them, discovering a natural aptitude, sought out Capsuleer training. Interstellar War Over the course of the Galenti-Kaldari War, militant fringe groups of Intaki, experienced military personnel in particular, sympathized with the state and asked to join the Kaldari Navy. Wary of the fact that the Intaki had a very different culture to the Kaldari, but still pragmatic enough to realize the military and political benefits of enlisting turncoat veterans, Kaldari officers placed these Intaki in segregated divisions. The most famous of these forces was commanded by Mordu's legion founder Muriah Mordu, who led his division to its status as one of the most successful, revered, and battle-hardened units of the war. At the end of the war, many of these Intaki were offered cheap land and accommodation in Wazchi City on Kamokra 4, though those who had abandoned their cultural heritage and fully integrated into the Kaldari lifestyle had long since become full citizens. Due to the fact that these Intaki continued to maintain their separate identity and distinct ways, their presence caused tension with native Kaldari, especially xenophobic radicals who fed on the aggressive foreign policy of the state. A significant number of the Intaki, facing expatriation, sought assistance from their former commander, Muriah Mordu, a turn of events which would later lead to the formation of Mordu's Legion, one of the most legendary mercenary groups in New Eden's history. In the end, the Intaki were able to resettle in Wazchi City while retaining their identity and culture. Provost Regime The meteoric rise to power of Tybus Haight and the Kaldari Providence Directorate CPD, in YC-110, again put emphasis on ethnic identity regardless of cultural compliance, the two being defined as synonymous with one another by the Provost government. Hundreds of thousands of Federation expatriates were quarantined and unlawfully incarcerated, or in some instances deported across state borders, while full state citizens of Galenti origin found themselves on the violent end of angry mobs. Present Day Today, the Kaldari state is built on the cornerstones of patriotism and hard work that carried its ancestors through the hardships of living on an inhospitable, barren homeworld. Megacorporations The eight largest and most influential corporations within the Kaldari state are as follows. CBD The CBD Corporation is one of the biggest import-export specialists in Kaldari space. It has established trade links across the cluster, with a huge amount of goods in constant flux across the borders of the Kaldari state. Though relatively young in years as far as Kaldari megacorporations go, CBD has built up a tremendous net of associates over its comparatively brief lifespan, and is today quite possibly the megacorporation most connected with every level of Kaldari society. 
CBD has been known to call in favors from questionable elements of society when more traditional channels have failed, and out of all the Big Eights members, it has become known as one of the most ruthless with its business practices, though it is not above the occasional bit of extravagant philanthropy, if it serves CBD's interests and proves to result in positive public relations. Hyacida Hyacida is one of the oldest Caldari megacorporations, formed shortly after contact with the Galenti. Conservative and cautious in its business dealings, Hyacida focuses mainly on tried and tested subsistence industries, such as agriculture, mining, and consumer products. Its operations are largely confined to the state itself, although it has partnerships with foreign companies to market its many products in foreign territories. Hyacida was also the first corporation to champion development of the MTAC, for use in the inhospitable polar regions of Kaldari Prime, before making the blueprints commercially available, and working with the Kaldari Armed Forces during the First Galenti Kaldari War, to upgrade and arm them for combat use. The corporation still holds the rights to many fundamental MTAC design principles, property that it fiercely protects to this day. Hyacida's corporate culture has evolved very little over its long history. It is an extremely conservative organization, with business strategies that lean heavily toward old-fashioned corporatism and established tradition. The corporation is still largely controlled by the family that founded it, and the social pressure on Hyacida employees to conform is as great as ever, even for the Kaldari state, where such pressure is a part of daily life. When the Kaldari Providence Directorate came to power, Hyacida was one of the loudest critics of the political arrangement and often led opposition to executor hate within the CEP, alongside Ishikoni. Ishikoni Under the guidance of late CEO Atro Gariyushi, Ishikoni became one of the leading corporations in the cluster, specializing in the production of high-tech equipment and machinery. It possesses some of the most advanced technology outside of Jovian space, and was instrumental in the development of capsuleer technology and capsule-based flight. Ishikoni was for a long time the weakest of the Kaldari megacorporations. Its main business model initially revolved around research and development, though it was rarely able to benefit greatly from any of its discoveries. Only in the last century or so has it bloomed, and it is now in the process of becoming one of the most powerful corporations in the Kaldari state. Well known for maintaining an exceptionally high standard of living and support for its employees under the regime of Atro Gariyushi, the corporation continues to follow this legacy under its new CEO, Mens Repla. The harshest and most open critic of both the Kaldari Providence Directorate and Taibas Hate, Ishikoni came close to bankruptcy during Haight's five-year reign as executor of the Kaldari state, due to both an expensive philanthropic legacy left behind by Atro Gariyushi, and trade restrictions placed on its dealings by the CPD as a consequence of its opposition. The Ishikoni Corporation now also administrates the Kaldari districts on Kaldari Prime, after the Galendi Federation's successful execution of Operation Highlander, which removed the Leviathan-class Titan Shigeru from orbit, ending the half-decade-long siege of the Kaldari homeworld. Kalakiota Led by the revered business tycoon Hataken Waritsu, Kalakiota, or KK as it is affectionately known, is the largest megacorporation in the state.
KK has its fingers everywhere, and in everything. Given its sheer size, Kawakiyota is the closest of the corporations to being a state within the state. Its humble beginnings date back to when the Kaldari people were under the wing of the Galenti Federation. The corporation initially dabbled in trade with the Galenti, but soon became hugely successful in real estate, construction, and manufacturing. KK was at the forefront of the Kaldari opposition against the Galenti Federation, a fact that is still used to great political effect today. After the rise to prominence of Tibus Haight, during the Kaldari Constructions riots of YC-110, and his subsequent usurping of Waritsu from the chief executive position that she had held for four decades, Kawakiyota suffered half a decade of heavy mismanagement and misappropriation of corporate funding, that brought it close to filing for bankruptcy. After Haight was forcibly removed from office, a number of fire sales of assets from smaller corporations within its portfolio allowed the corporation to maintain solvency. Still the largest and most powerful of the Big Eight, Kawakiyota is now on the road to recovery after the reinstatement of Waritsu as chief executive, five years after she was forced to part ways with the corporation by the Kaldari Providence Directorate. Lai Dai Lai Dai has always advocated quality over quantity, taking pride in designing and manufacturing products of the highest standard. With several energetic research programs that rival the great Ishikoni in their scope and forward-thinking audacity, Lai Dai is the maker of a vast and varied range of products, from high-tech medical equipment to the latest battlefield hardware. After the first Galenti Kaldari War, Lai Dai, which at the time was a relatively small conglomerate mostly focused on research, began branching out and investing in the Amar and Khanid corporations, supplying them with an infusion of technological creativity in forming corporate and political bonds that last to this day. Through the years, this enterprise has occasionally created conflicts of interest within the politics of the state, but Lai Dai's ideals and true devotion to Kaldari above all else have always gotten it out of whatever political trouble it has found itself in. Nugui Huvi Usually referred to by its corporate moniker, N.O.H., Nugoi Huvi was originally a conglomerate of small companies that manufactured all manner of luxury goods, ranging from mobile delicatessen units to quality furniture. Once the Kaldari had formed their independent empire, this enterprising group quickly moved to fill the void created when the Galenti entertainment business was cut out, and over the years N.O.H. has gradually made entertainment its main focus. Time and time again, the corporation has been accused of underworld dealings and links to a number of organized crime syndicates within the state, as well as the Gurista's pirates. These rumors, however, have never been substantiated. Sukhavesta Sukhavesta, or Suvi as it is more commonly called, is the second-largest Kaldari megacorporation. Heavily focused on agriculture, mining, real estate, and consumer products, it owns, according to estimates from the House of Records, over a third of all Kaldari real estate, when the assets of its subsidiaries are included. Suvi has a reputation as one of the state's most ruthless corporations, seizing smaller rivals and selling off the spoils of hostile takeovers to ensure its dominance in whichever market sector it chooses. While this often causes tensions between it and the other megacorporations, particularly Kawakiyota, Suvi's most hated rival, 
it has also forced competitors to think twice about challenging Sukavesta in any market where it has significant influence. Throughout the ages, several scandals involving questionable gain of property and loss of innocent life have been quelled by Suvi's extensive PR department, known to be the most skilled of its kind, operating in the Kaldari state, and quite possibly the whole cluster. Wyurkami Known and respected throughout New Eden, the Saituota family name has been the driving force behind the Wyurkami Corporation ever since its inception over a century ago, in the years preceding the Galenti Kaldari War. With a reputation built upon the unimpeachable word of its founder, Tainal Saituota, Wyurkami continues to enjoy unique relationships with many of New Eden's most influential corporations. Given the reputation of most megacorporations, Wyurkami is regarded by those inside and outside the state as a curious anomaly, due to its reputation for straight-laced business practices, though, as many an unwary competitor has learned over the years, this does not make it any less of a force to be reckoned with. The Saituota family has long been known as one of the most loyal and patriotic entities within the Kaldari state, commanding immense respect and remaining concerned with the promotion of Kaldari ideals above all else. Though members of the family have become more reclusive in the wake of a few odious scandals in the last century, their corporate contacts remain as loyal as ever, due in no small part to the Wyurkami Corporation's proven track record of unswerving allegiance to the state at large, as well as the corporation's own particular allies and associates. Political structure While the state is built on corporate capitalism, which gives the corporations dictatorial powers, they are just as bound by Kaldari customs and laws as the individual, and the fierce, continual competition between the corporations ensures a healthy consumer-based social environment which benefits everyone. The Chief Executive Panel Together, the Big Eight, the nickname for the eight megacorporations who handle most domestic matters, own more than 90% of all property within the state. Each of the eight is made up of thousands of companies of various sizes, ranging from simple mining companies to powerful police organizations. Each corporation rules its territories like its own kingdom, with its own corporate law and little interference on domestic affairs from the Chief Executive Panel CEP. The Chief Executive Panel is a political entity which itself is jointly owned and run by the Kaldari megacorporations. The CEOs of the megacorporations sit on the board of the panel to ensure that the companies are kept in line when competing with each other, smoothing over potential conflicts before they escalate out of control. The panel also handles the foreign policy of the Kaldari state, and is the closest thing to a government that the Kaldari have. The chief executive panel also holds executive authority over the Kaldari Navy, with the power to dictate any offensive or defensive actions deemed necessary to preserve the security of the state. House of Records Owing to this rather fragmented style of leadership, the House of Records was also established by mutual agreement to act as a central source for record-keeping within the Kaldari state. The House of Records acts as a national archive, digitally storing vast quantities of data that detail every transaction, business deal, and governmental interaction within the state.
Kaldari Business Tribunal The Kaldari Business Tribunal, CBT, was established by mutual consent of the CEP. The CBT is regarded as the second most powerful entity within the state, operating independently of the Big Eight and authorized to mediate in, modify, or cancel any deal, transaction, or agreement made between corporations within the state. Corporate Blocks From the outside, to uninformed eyes, the Kaldari state appears to be a solid and unified corporate meritocracy. While this has been true for short periods over its history, typically during times of great trouble for the Kaldari people, there are three distinct ideological blocks within the state that have grown ever more apparent as Kaldari society has evolved. The first of these three blocks, the Practicals, is headed by the second largest megacorporation in the Kaldari state, Sukhavesta. Commonly known as the Exploiters, the group also includes both the CBD Corporation and Nugoihuvi. These corporations have practiced unethical business tactics for decades and are frequently associated with organized crime. The Practicals see the other empires as potential markets ready to be exploited by unrestricted and unregulated trade, caring more for their bottom line than for who is a friend with whom, and even less about what long-term political ramifications their unscrupulous business practices can have. Basically mercantilist in their views on trade, they believe that profit for one always means loss for another, and they will stop at very little to ensure the state always comes out on top. The second of these three groups are the liberals, whose views completely contradict those of the practicals in regards to interstellar trade. The liberal bloc believes in fostering improved relations with all the other empires, creating an interstellar environment where there are no trade barriers and where goods and services flow freely across borders. They believe in trade deals that mutually benefit the participants and that the empires can come together in a peaceful, prosperous future world only through cooperation and unified trade. The liberals are led by the extremely influential Ishikoni Corporation and also include the Hayasayada Megacorporation and Ishikoni's daughter corporation, Zainu Biotech. The state's strong position within Concord is maintained and accentuated by the liberal bloc's belief that promoting universal peace so that trade can flow freely and cultures mingle peacefully is paramount to ensuring economic stability for the state. The final group is less concerned about trade than about the position that the Kaldari state holds in contrast to the other empires, in terms of both military capability and economic strength. These are the Patriots, and they are led by the monolithic Kalakiota Corporation, which is the largest megacorporation in the Kaldari state, followed by the Lai Dai and Wairkami corporations. The Patriots seek to cultivate the Kaldari heritage, and may often be found reminiscing about the great Rada Empire of old or weeping for their lost homeworld, Kaldari Prime. The most fanatical of them cry for a renewal of the war with the Federation, but they are a minority. The majority sees economic dominance across the cluster as a tool to promote military power. The Patriots are willing to negotiate alternative ways to acquire Kaldari Prime other than through war, but they know they can only realize that dream by convincing the Federation of the economic and, most importantly, militaristic superiority of the Kaldari state. They strive to promote a state that outshines the Federation in every possible way. Finances More than any other faction, 
the Kaldari state has a fixation on its finances and financial systems. The state has no central currency, with each megacorporation using its own script. Independent corporations use the script of a patron corporation or the ISK. Each megacorporation is then built around a massive investment bank, which forms a skeleton for each individual corporate empire. Kaldari Funds Unlimited serves as the closest Kaldari equivalent to a central bank, in addition to performing many of the functions of a normal financial institution. Seaguard Financial was a competitor to the major Kaldari banks until YC-29, when it was placed under extreme sanction by the chief executive panel and destroyed through corporate warfare. Military The rule of the megacorporations extends not only to the financial system, but to the military branch of government as well. Each of the corporations runs their own military and police force. Corporate police forces have legal authority to act as police proxies within corporate jurisdiction, though in cases where the regional police have a presence their authority supersedes corporate police. It should be noted that within the corporate security forces, police duty is considered a lower form of duty than military duty. Police work on stations in the state is an especially nightmarish task due to the red tape involved in numerous jurisdictions involved when various parts of the station and their owners come into play. While corporate police forces do not have the best reputation for dealing with lesser infractions, especially nonviolent crimes, they can nonetheless quickly and efficiently deal with matters when circumstances require. On the more overtly militaristic side, it's notable that the eight private militaries of the megacorporations exceed the Kaldari state military in numbers and often surpass it in training. The military branches of the megacorporations originate from shortly after the Galenti Kaldari War, when Kalakiota and Sukhavesta established theirs, as a result of a dispute over post-war development. Kaldari corporate militaries have traditionally been used as a propaganda tool, using their successes and image to enhance the reputation of the parent corporation and vice versa. It's notable that some military functions, such as engineering work, appear to be outsourced to civilian personnel, including technicians in charge of setting up listening posts, who do not appear to hold Navy ranks. Culture and Society While the Kaldari state may not be nearly as big as the Galenti Federation, let alone the Amar Empire, it is still universally feared and admired. With a strong economy and military might to match that of the larger empires, not to mention the fact that it is more unscrupulous than the Galenti and more combative than the Amar, the state is in many ways the most formidable of all the empires. As most Kaldari trade is conducted on the blurred divider between corporation and nation-state, it can be difficult for the other empires to deal with it at the political level. If a company is found guilty of unethical business dealings, it simply disappears into its parent corporation, and before long another one appears to take its place. If a Kaldari company is threatened, meanwhile, the whole corporation and often the whole state will more often than not back it with full force. Military Tradition 
Military tradition is a core part of Kaldari society and heritage. As a people, its citizens fought a long and bloody war to gain their independence, eventually surrendering their home planet to the Galendi Federation in order to preserve their way of life. It was at this time that the corporations established themselves as the driving force behind creating and maintaining the Kaldari state. Even though the Kaldari have not engaged in all-out war for almost a century, they still strive to be at the cutting edge of military technology, and their vessels, weapons, and fighting methods are second to none. To curb their aggressive tendencies, Kaldari citizens are encouraged to actively pursue a range of sporting activities, often sponsored by the state itself. Many of these are bloody competitions in the vein of gladiatorial combat, while others take the form of races and contests. Whatever the sport, they love betting on the outcome, making gambling a massive industry in the state and a core pillar of Kaldari society. Kaldari Society the state offers its citizens the best and the worst in living conditions. As long as you keep in line, do your part for the greater good, and obey corporate law, life can be fairly pleasant and productive. However, to those not cut out for this strict disciplined regime, life quickly becomes intolerable. Individuals who cannot fit into the regimented framework of Kaldari society often find themselves losing their respect, family, and social status with unsettling rapidity being left with few options besides ritual suicide or exile. Although not xenophobic as such, the Kaldari are very protective of their way of life and tolerate only those foreigners that stick to the rules. Given that megacorporations define their citizens' identities, the differences between the Didius and Sivire can be observed in their social habits, formal interactions, and philosophical approaches to being Kaldari, rather than more overt ethnic markers. There is considerable academic debate over whether they can even be considered distinct ethnicities. Their characteristic social habits are a product of their upbringing, emphasized as a constituent heritage of the wider Kaldari identity but otherwise not regarded as an important aspect of a citizen's life. Those outside the state generally do not make a distinction between these social habits, instead considering them all to be an overall part of Kaldari culture, a view the Kaldari are more than happy to encourage. Despite identifying as one collective Kaldari unit, the Didius and Sivire rarely intermarry. The corporate-controlled marriage system segregates members of opposing genders, same-sex marriage is neither recognized nor legal within Kaldari borders, a frequent topic of controversy between the Kaldari and the considerably more liberal Galenti. This grouping is based on similarities in physical appearance, alongside other considerations, such as personal compatibility in socio-economic standing. Maintaining consistency in physical appearance over the generations is seen as just one of the many necessities in the preservation of the history and tradition of the Kaldari people. The integrated nature of New Eden's interstellar economy has seen many listed Kaldari space stations become notably cosmopolitan, as has occurred across all four empires. Space trade hubs such as Jita 44 see travelers and cultures from across the cluster. However, these areas only make up a minute fraction of the state. On planets and elsewhere, the Kaldari culture continues to dominate, though the Galenti economic and cultural influence established centuries ago, as well as its continuing efforts to permeate the state, never truly left. 
Kaldari Spirituality While the Kaldari are essentially a secular culture, there is no shortage of myth contained within their cultural heritage. Stories and folklore dating back to the early days of the Radha Empire can be found permeating every stratum of society, and though the Kaldari do not view their mythical symbols in an overtly religious way, there is easily as much distilled wisdom to be found in their countless fables as in all of the Amar scriptures put together. The spiritual tradition is considered a part of the Kaldari way and is sometimes specifically discussed under the name Wayism. Ever since the time of the Radha Empire, the Kaldari have found great purpose through their mythology, and they are great lovers of aphorisms and sententious poems. Though they certainly harbor a propensity for rigid traditionalism, they have little use for organized religion or dogmatic screeds. Such things seem to them a waste of time, energy, and resources. However, and no matter how much they themselves might deny it, there is a marked spiritual streak in the Kaldari soul, particularly among the Achura. Kaldari spirituality could be more accurately be described as a system of thought or a philosophy than a religion, though many Kaldari would not even go that far. One term for it in the Kaldari language is Kuchuodo Miru, best translated as mind tool, essentially a set of practical techniques meant to help an individual maximize his focus, equanimity, and mental fortitude. The practice of Kuchuodo Miru within the Kaldari way, has expanded from an ancient core to include numerous sub-disciplines of mind and body, including martial forms. The foundation upon which practice of Kuchuodo Miru rests is the activity of piercing the veil, essentially, reaching beyond one's subjective interpretations of worldly phenomena and ideas to perceive the impassionate reality beneath it all. This exercise is said to remove extraneous clutter from the mind, sharpening it for whatever task is at hand. It is also said to calm the waters of a competitive intellect roiling with hopes of power and victory, ensuring that the desire for glory so powerfully instilled in all Kaldari doesn't run away with the individual. In Kuchuodo Miru practice it is entirely possible, in fact rather common, for there to be no mention of any kind of deity and no inkling of any sort of worship. Indeed, as far as many corporate Kaldari can be said to worship anything, it is reality itself that they revere. Growing up in the state The Kaldari home world, Kaldari Prime, was an exceedingly inhospitable planet when the first colonists settled there many thousands of years ago. In order for them to survive in the wake of the Eve Gates collapse, it was necessary to adopt stringent social and behavioral codes and to inculcate in their children a love for discipline and merit. Being good at something became not just desirable but simply a necessary survival trait, and therefore it naturally followed that the better you were at something, the more value you brought to society. From birth, a Kaldari child is bound to the corporate state. Almost universally, children are born in corporate medical facilities under the supervision of the best specialist the parents' rank and status dictates. Any genetic manipulation, implants, or other treatments are also assigned on the basis of the family's contribution to the state. Families wishing for better care can work out an agreement with their individual employers. This usually involves borrowing additional funds and paying them back over time out of the parents' salaries. 
Many families will take this option to cover low-cost procedures, but it is typically regarded as socially unacceptable to seek out expensive and extravagant procedures. Thereafter, with the assistance of a variety of childcare corporations, parents raise and monitor the child closely. Early on, children learn games that help observers to assess intelligence, physical prowess, and aggressive tendencies. These activities help educational corporations work with families to decide what schooling best suits the child. A family can pay for superior training if they desire, but once again unnecessary spending is discouraged and often does not help a child's advancement. Once of age to enter school, children are taught a variety of subjects. The exact curriculum varies based on the corporation overseeing each child's education, but basic economics and the history and philosophy of the Kaldari state are universal. The basic curriculum prepares the students for talent-based specialty schools later in their education. Grading is invariably done on a curve to promote competition, and rewards are given to students with consistently superior marks. Exceptional or underperforming students are re-evaluated and may be moved to different schools as a result. Teamwork exercises are mixed with competitive grading to produce students who embody both ambition and cooperation. In addition to academics, children are encouraged to socialize with their fellow students in other ways. Much of this adolescent socializing is done around various clubs and extracurricular activities where new members usually must pass some sort of entrance test to be accepted. Students tend to socialize with fellow club members, and members often compete internally for leadership roles and privileges. Teamwork is also emphasized, though, with a variety of competitions pitting the members of one group against another. Prizes for success are special privileges and resources for the club and its members. Through these extracurricular activities, Kaldari children are introduced to a number of competitive sports. Martial arts, contact sports, and games combining creativity with tactical cunning are the most popular. Exceptional performance in these activities often results in acknowledgement and privilege, and talent scouts for the professional leagues monitor potential stars as early as elementary school. Injuries are common in this domain, but medical care in the state is first among the empires, and is additionally free of charge to citizens. Attendance at these sporting events is a major pastime for both children and their parents. The military also takes an active role in a child's life. Most schools teach basic military history, and soldiers regularly come to speak to classes and discuss careers in the service. So strong is the nation's military tradition that after formal schooling is completed, every citizen must complete a very basic form of military training and three years of conscripted state military service before beginning his working life, even if she is not headed for a military career. This is one of the fundamental reasons why the state is able to mobilize so quickly in case of national emergency. By the time a child graduates from secondary school, he is well on his way to his career. The student and his family are provided with a list of corporate-approved universities and academies appropriate to his academic level. Those students can go to more prestigious schools if their families pay the extra education costs back to the state, most students simply attend the best school picked for them. In almost all cases where a student would want to make his own choice, 
He would base his decision on which school would maximize his natural abilities in such a way that he could offer the maximum benefit to the state. Kaldari universities and academies are very similar in structure to earlier schooling, grading is curved, socialization is based around activities and studies that test creativity, logic, strategy, and other traits deemed useful to the state, and the successful are earmarked for placement within the upper ranks of Kaldari society. Upon reaching adulthood, a Kaldari individual will have been tempered in the fires of adversity and competition. He will have learned to view himself as a vital part of Kaldari society, and he will have also learned that the winners benefit the most from that same society. Bloodlines in a very similar manner to the Galenti, Kaldari citizens tend to place little to no emphasis on ethnicity. Most will always identify as Kaldari first, followed by their loyalty to their parent corporation. Their ethnic heritage comes third, if it is mentioned at all. Ethnic Kaldari account for 95 to 99% of the state's registered citizenry, with the remaining percentage made up mainly of expatriates from other empires. Due to the socially demanding nature of Kaldari culture and the various bureaucratic hurdles involved, the state has the lowest rate of immigration among all the empires. Additionally, full citizenship and its myriad benefits can never be granted to anyone born elsewhere. Thus, foreigners living in the Kaldari state more often than not, find themselves working hard to prove their mettle, but receiving little in the way of appreciation from either the authorities or the populace. Although technically composed of multiple ethnicities that have descended from Kaldari Prime, the Sivire and Didius being the most populous of these by far, all Kaldari are identified to be of a single race, according to both popular tradition and their parent megacorporations. Today, the Sivire and Didius make up almost all of the Kaldari state's registered population, with Achura, ethnic Galenti, and Intaki as the largest minorities, in that order. Didius the Didius symbolize what it means to be Kaldari in every way. Efficient, dutiful, and hardworking, to most they are the epitome of a model Kaldari citizen. Didius can commonly be found in positions of authority within the military and political spheres, which suits their mellow temperament very well. Considered by some to be more cunning and underhanded than the Sivire, they share the traits of duty, discipline, and diligence. Regarded as slightly more inquisitive and eager to learn than the Sivire, the Didius share a firm belief that the good of the whole must come before the needs of the individual. This has greatly influenced the shaping of the Kaldari state since its foundation. Sivire In the eyes of most, the Sivire formed the rock-solid backbone of the Kaldari state. Their diligence and selfless efforts have built it from the ground up. The Sivire are cool, level-headed, and relentless in their approach to both trading and fighting. In business, their trademark is often said to be straightforward, above-board dealing, where every aspect of a business transaction is planned to the letter. Militarily, their actions are direct, well-measured, and never hasty. They are more comfortable acting than talking and are never happier than when embroiled in the midst of frenetic activity. They can handle pressure extremely well, 
an invaluable trait in combat and other high-intensity situations. Many of the best bounty hunters and military commanders in New Eden are Sivire. Achura Though the Achura have been part of the Kaldari state for a little over three centuries, they have remained something of a mystery. Hailing from the inhospitable Sizio system in the forge, they are as reclusive as a political entity can be, while still managing to participate in interstellar affairs. Intensely spiritual, the average Achura has little interest in the material world's distractions. Achura pilots have been few and far between in the past, but the desecration of their home world, as well as a recently discovered aptitude for the peculiar type of focus required by the capsuleer profession, has prompted them to take to the skies in greater numbers. Other Bloodlines Galenti The remaining population of the state is composed mainly of peoples of ethnic Galenti, Intaki, and Khanid origin. State citizens of ethnic Galenti origin tend to have some Sivire Redidius ancestry, can trace their roots back to origins on Kaldari Prime, and typically identify with only one of these two groups. The majority of these citizens were residents of Kaldari Prime who took part in the evacuation to the newly formed state. These ethnic Galenti may also be in Taki, manner, of another federal ethnicity, or at least have some ancestry from these groups. The vast majority no longer identify as Galenti and tend to be widely considered by both themselves and others to be of the Kaldari race. Radical Kaldari who emphasize ethnic origin as being intrinsically tied to Kaldari identity often tend to target these groups, though this applies to any citizen not descended from Kaldari prime or of ethnic Kaldari origin. One of the more notable instances of this prejudice occurred on Erlen II, following Tybus Haight's reclamation of Kaldari prime in YC-110, when almost a thousand state citizens of Galenti origin were killed by an angry mob. There were, of course, conflicting reports as to whether their deaths came as retribution for attempting to incite violence in response to the state invasion of Luminaire. Intaki The Intaki minority in the state no longer possess any trappings of their Intaki background. They are either considered full Kaldari, or they retain their unique identity and culture in client communities across the state. The largest of these communities is in Wuzchi City on Kamokra 4. The ruling authorities of these latter Intaki groups must constantly act to ensure they are not victims of persecution by Kaldari citizens or subject to exploitation by megacorporations. Intaki regarded as Kaldari sympathizers can also be found in the state. Those with valuable skills, such as military or corporate turncoats, are brought into the fold and sheltered by the megacorporations. There are some Intaki immigrants, but the majority of these failed to adjust to the stark differences between their own culture and that of the Kaldari and swiftly fall to the fringes of state society. Khanid The shared cultural emphasis on martial and mercantile ability has seen many Khanid successfully set up homes and businesses in the state. They exist as something of an anomaly, sharing many traits with the Achura. While all of the immigrants who come to the state are more or less expected to abandon their previous identities and cultures, the Khanid are free to continue identifying as such due to the mutual respect shared with the Kaldari. Likewise, as with all foreigners, 
they are expected to abide by the rules, but punishment for failing to do so, for a Khanid, is lax in comparison to other groups from outside the state. Their religion can be practiced in private, although the Kaldari typically do not make a big distinction between public and private spheres, though more extreme elements of Khanid culture, such as slavery, are unsurprisingly not tolerated. Notable Characters Atro Gariushi Atro Gariushi was CEO of Ishikoni from YC100 until his death in YC110. Unbeknownst to the general public, Gariushi was a former Duristas pirate with a 25 million-isk bounty on his head, whose actions led to the private disgrace of preceding CEO Lesakillan, as well as the field testing of the first prototype Scorpion-class battleship. After a turbulent childhood on an Ishikoni-owned mining colony on Dranali 7, and subsequent rough years with the Guristas pirates, Gariushi was taken under the wing of his father's partner in crime, and from then on, began a campaign of sabotage against the Ishikoni Corporation, whose members had orchestrated his father's death, some years before. Eventually, after revealing the gross corruption of the corporation's CEO and demonstrating the capability of the prototype battleship in combat, Gariushi earned himself a reputation as a Kaldari first leader, mending the bitterness caused by his predecessor. His remarkable work ethic and humane treatment of citizens under his corporation's employ impressed the Kaldari elite, earning Atro near-celebrity status in the state. Renowned for the prominent skull and crossbones tattoo on his cheekbone and his spectacularly ugly features, he also cut an unusual and intimidating figure at business meetings, a fact he always played to his advantage. Gariushi was killed in the attacks on Ishikoni's headquarters on May 15, YC-110, when the Nix-class supercarrier FNS Wandering Saint slammed into the station, killing hundreds of thousands during a Kaldari Galenti economic summit. Hatakan Waritsu of devious descent, Waritsu is regarded as one of the most versatile and cunning businesswomen in the entire Kaldari state. Serving as the chief executive of Kala Kyoto for almost four decades before being driven into exile at her home on the outskirts of the Kaldari metropolis of Kyrth, she is known for her calm and controlled demeanor, which belies her immense presence at the boardroom table. Waritsu grew up in a family environment where everything she said or did was remembered, judged, and later exemplified when warranted. Tending a small garden behind her childhood home was one method she used to cope with this environment, and it was there she made herself a promise to become powerful and rich, a million times more wealthy than the second wealthiest man in the world, she said. She has a penchant for eccentric gardening involving the cultivation of all manner of exotic plants in a vast greenhouse attached to what she terms, her palace. A patient woman of dizzying intellect, Waritsu is renowned for laying complex plans which may take years to come to fruition, and does not believe in allowing automation or any other outside process to rule her life. Recently reinstated to her position as chief executive of Kala Kyoto, she has been charged with bringing the corporation back to profitability after a half-decade of mismanagement and misappropriation by Tybus Hate's regime. Tybus Hate Little is known about Hate prior to YC-105, 
when he was dismissed from his position as a home guard soldier after a series of racially motivated attacks on several station inhabitants. He went on to become an MTAC operator at Kaldari Constructions and was later named Employee of the Month. The reward for this distinction was a mechanical pocket watch. As he prefers things he can fix himself, Haid is reportedly quite fond of this memento. He rose to prominence in YC-110 via an uprising at the Kaldari Constructions facility in the PIAC system. His actions, especially a much-publicized scene of him braving home guard fire to rescue a wounded comrade, generated massive support from the rank-and-file Kaldari. To everyone's surprise, the incident ended when Xavier Black, an agent of unknown affiliation, secured control of Kaldari Constructions and appointed Tybus Haight as CEO. Following the Malkalen catastrophe later that year, Haight's particular brand of anti-Galanti patriotism fanned the flames of war, with the majority of Kaldari corporations pledging themselves to Haight's new Kaldari Providence Directorate, effectively making Tybus Haight dictator of the Kaldari state, a position he then used to institute a series of reforms intended to bring the Kaldari back to a meritocratic society. The Minmatar elder attack on the Concord headquarters in Yulai created an opportunity for Haight to initiate a massive invasion of the Federation with single-minded intent, the recapture of Kaldari Prime. Subsequently, Kaldari Prime became a bubble of Kaldari territory inside Federation space. After a number of gaffes in leadership due to instability caused by a wasting affliction known as Dirge disease, Haight's gradual fall from grace culminated in a successfully executed operation by the Federation Navy to remove Kaldari Navy and Kaldari Providence Directorate forces from the orbit of Kaldari Prime. This has come to be regarded by many as the final nail in the casket, for Haight's political career. Within two weeks, after a failed attempt at besieging a Kaldari construction station in the Kaldari-Galenti border system of Hatomo, Haight was removed from office as executor of the Kaldari state, and forced to flee into the border zone to avoid being captured and tried for war crimes and multiple terrorism charges. Although Haight remains at large, on October 3, YC-115, wreckage from two of his escort vessels was found in the system of Hakonan in Lontrek. No bodies were found on board, though there were clear signs of a sustained firefight. Haight's bloodied Kaldari Constructions employee of the month watch was recovered at the scene. Admiral Yakia Tavoltova One of the most famous Kaldari military officers to ever serve in the Kaldari Navy, Tavoltova was an admiral during the first Galenti-Kaldari War. He piloted the first-ever fighter carrier, the Kairaila, during the most pivotal battle of the entire war. Initially a water freighter, the Kairaila was refitted to act as a fighter carrier during the orbital bombardment of Kaldari Prime, and Tavoltova was selected to pilot it due to his commendable leadership ability and his outstanding piloting skill. Both the Kairaila and Tavoltova are well known for a week-long run of relentless guerrilla fleet actions against the Galendi home fleet shortly after the start of Kaldari Prime's evacuation. The most famous part of this operation was its culmination, in which the Admiral ordered all non-essential personnel to abandon ship, before sacrificing himself and flying the heavily damaged carrier into the atmosphere of Galenti Prime, where it broke up on entry and struck several areas of the city of Huromont, resulting in the deaths of over 2 million Galenti. The resulting diversion of Galenti forces from the front lines to assist in aiding the city, 
enabled the Kaldari to successfully complete their evacuation of the Kaldari people from their besieged home planet. To this day Tavl Toba is revered as one of the greatest heroes in the history of the Kaldari state, and traditionally, his name is the first phrase that every Kaldari child learns. Admiral Visera Yenala In service of the Kaldari state for 84 years, Admiral Visera Yenala was one of the longest-serving and most respected officers in the Kaldari Navy at the time of her death on March 22, YC-115. Born on Kaldari Prime before relocating to Kisogo 8 in her early years, Yenala shied away from the limelight for most of her career. She rose to prominence when she was drafted out of retirement to reassume command of the Kaldari Navy Titan Shiguru, in March YC-115, during the tensions which served as a preamble to the eventual assault on Kaldari Prime by the Federation Navy. Having served as captain of the Shiguru for two decades before her retirement, she reassumed command under direct orders from Tybus Haight, who was attempting to stabilize the situation. Exact details of the events surrounding the destruction of the Shiguru still remain unclear to the public. It is known that Yenala was initially demonized by both Haight and the Kaldari Providence Directorate before an investigation was ordered by the Chief Executive Panel to assess the loss of the vessel. Yenala was then vindicated and declared a national hero after it was revealed that she had refused to obey no less than seven direct orders from Tybus Haight to fire the Oblivion-class doomsday weapon, fitted to the Shiguru, directly at Kaldari Prime in order to halt the attack, an act which would have resulted in hundreds of millions of innocent casualties. During the investigation, it was further revealed to an astonished investigatory board that Yenala had jettisoned the vessel's magazines, which were packed with Citadel torpedoes, into the planet's atmosphere to allow them to harmlessly burn up. She also shut down all volatile systems on board the vessel as it began to fall from orbit and break up. It later came to light that on reawakening from her subsequent capsule loss after the destruction of Shiguru, she was forced by hate to commit ritual suicide for disobeying his orders. The revelation of the real cause of her death, after both Tybus Haight and the Kaldari Providence Directorate had attempted to cover it up, sent shock waves through the Kaldari state that further contributed to his eventual removal from office.